Oh, All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I didn't hit send last time. <laughs> Good. Amber, you want to hear me? I do too. Sure. <laughs> so it's 5.30. Do we know where our Parks and Rec board is? Mm-hmm. It's right here. We're getting started. I don't know what all to do to call it to order. That's all right. That's I'd what like you do. to call this meeting to order. Okay, and then pass it over to me. And then over to... All right. We got some <laughs> housekeeping duties to do. What we're going to do, I'm Roger Steinbrock, the... Uh, so I got somebody in the way. Oh, are there member? Was trying to get in. Um, anyway, we're turn on. Okay, uh, we are uh, doing this meeting live via Zoom um, on the YouTube channel as well. Um, so what we'll do is, if you those people that are participating in the meeting, we ask them to turn their cameras on and to mute themselves unless they're speaking at the time. Uh, and then if at the time of your item that you want to speak to, if you would please raise your hand so we can call on you uh, when it comes time for public comment. Um, and that way it avoids distractions within the meeting. And then um, if, if there is distractions, I may mute or uh, hide your video uh, during the proceedings if it becomes any kind of issue like that. I'll turn it back over to the vice chair of the committee, and okay. Nicole. It looks like we need to approve minutes. Well, we don't have the minutes, and so we will hold those oh. until next month. We will approve we'll minutes in March. There you go. Right, look at me. We're moving right, right through it. it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like we're ready for public comment. Public comment, correct. Okay. And first, is there anybody in the room that has public comment that they would like to address an item that's not on the agenda? And yeah, I have Okay. Yeah. Why don't you come up here to this chair here? And sure. You just get it up. You'd state your name. Sure. Uh, Steve Bernson, City of Lawrence resident. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to speak to the advisory board, uh, Director Rogers, LPRD staff. Um, the United States Conference of Mayors winter meeting was held last month. And the forums included combating hate and extremism, mental health and communities, solving the challenges of affordable housing, and pickleball, the latest sport transforming cities. <laughs> now, I'd like to share three brief quotes from the Pickleball Forum. Uh, as reported by the Tampa Bay Times in the publication Route 50, quote, Mayor A.J. Ryan from Dania Beach, Florida, said he wants to adapt to the sport that is growing like wildfire. Mayor Gavin Buckley of Annapolis, Maryland echoed a similar sentiment on the panel, comparing pickleball to a religion and telling attendees to be prepared, telling his fellow mayors, you can't keep up with what's going to come at you. Mayor Buckley went on to say, how many of you have been at city council meetings where someone stands up, asks everyone in attendance to raise their paddle? If it hasn't happened yet, it's going to happen and you're going to realize how many voters have paddles. Now, I I share these quotes with you this evening to ask, is Pickleball receiving the same priority in Lawrence that the National Mayor's Conference fills at Lawrence? Uh, This wasn't a Parks and Recs Conference. This was the National Mayor's Conference with the Pickleball being given equal time with the other challenging topics that I mentioned. You know, are the facilities, the court usage policies, the court rental policies in alignment with meeting the current and growing demand for pickleball. Myself, other players, player groups, 
have engaged departmental staff on each of these three issues, and we'll continue to do so. Um, but again, I ask, is pickleball being given the same attention in Lawrence as it's been given by the National Mayor's Conference? Uh, I'm prepared to answer questions and take a deeper dive into any of the three areas I mentioned, facilities, court usage policies, court rental policies, but I know you have a full agenda. Perhaps pickleball can be an agenda topic for a future meeting. Um, I thank you and I appreciate, as always, the opportunity to address the board. So I stand for any questions. Well, yeah. don't take questions for All right. comments, so we'll make right. a note. Yeah, so what we would do is then see about putting it on the agenda as something, right? Correct. That can okay. be discussion for our meetings that we will. Right. Excellent job. Yeah. Thank you. Great. That was very informative. Thank you. Next public comment. Uh, I'm Cook Devine. I'm here in the same context, uh, pickleball player, instructor, member of Pickleball Lawrence. Um, I'd like to sound the same note with maybe just a little different emphasis as Steve Strutt. Um, I've been a player for almost 10 years. Um, it's very unfortunate, I think, that Pickleball chose the name that it did. Um, we have a lot of fun with it but it, there's a definite tendency for people not to take it seriously. Um, that day is over. And um, yes, we're incredibly biased because we're involved. We're one of the 5 million people that play pickleball on a fairly regular basis. Um, almost 40 million people have played it. Um, that number isn't going to taper off. Um, having just re returned from Major League Pickleball events in Arizona, um, the amount of young players, money, the monetization of the game, the ways to make money in it. In terms of uh, life changes, it's, it's really life changing for those who participate. And I'm an ex-basketball player. I dearly love that game. I love tennis. I love most sports, I'm a sports freak, but pickleball is different. And I just wanna um, try to speak to that. The big difference is that there isn't a sport that is women and kid oriented and parody oriented by pickleball with a few exceptions like figure skating. I would say the women are the dominant players. Kid, there's a few kid sports that probably are, yeah. But this sport and some of these other sports that are coming in are very creative. Uh, and uh, it's just going to be an incredible wave of participation. It's only just begun. We're like a little crocus with a little bitty sprout coming up. Uh, you know, even though we live and breathe it, you know, we're still a small segment, but it is coming. It's coming like a banshee. Uh, and uh, they had Major League Pickleball. The commissioner is a guy named Le Levine. He was one of the very big shots at Goldman Sachs. He, you know, he, he was had a huge division. He was on the board. Uh, you guys may be familiar with all the investors. Many of them are celebrity athletes and jocks, really big names. Uh, it's, it's only just begun, as Karen Carpenter said. It's, uh, it's coming. In terms of Lawrence, what I would like to strike, in addition to what Steve said, 
is the facility aspect because player development comes from facilities. And as an instructor, I've been struggling with that for 10 years here. Lots of people are going to KC and spending a lot of money in KC from Lawrence and other places as well because of the lack of facilities here. You know, we made an attempt several times at Lions to create a facility. It hasn't worked out well. The uh, contractor really wasn't capable of dealing with the problem, which I believe is mostly moisture, subsurface moisture that is creating a really big problem there. I think it needs to be evaluated. So I would recommend, I'll cut this short, uh, having a good contractor come up, take a good look at whether that court can be salvaged or other courts could be created economically as possible. It's just gonna get more expensive later and the demand is gonna keep coming. I thank you for your time. Thank you, we appreciate that, very informative. Any more public comment in the room? Okay, any public comment online? Okay, all right, so that concludes public comment. Thank you all and move on to agenda items. We have a new board member. Are you, are you our new board member? <laughs> do you want to do an introduction? You want to tell us about you? Yeah, uh, my name is Sam Thomas. Um, you want me to stand up? No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> I was delirious on something. Uh, Sorry. I'm, I'm from Lawrence originally. I moved away for uh, undergrad and I came back in 2019 and got my grad degree from KU. Um, I currently work for Repetition Coffee. I'm the, the lead roaster there. And um, I guess my connection to Parks and Rec is I'm the treasurer for the Lawrence Skaters Association. Um, I've been skating for about like 10, 12 years or something like that. And so I'm pretty heavily invested in the skateboarding community here in Lawrence and in the city and stuff like that. It's something I'm really passionate about. And so I'm excited to be on the board and be an advocate for that and help out with other things as I can. So yeah, thanks for having me. Love it. Thank you. Welcome. Um, so we'll do the rest of our board members a brief introduction, I guess. Marilyn, will you kick us off? Yeah, I'm Marilyn Hall. I've been on this board for about four-ish years. I'm retired. I was the past president of the board last year, and I've been on the board for three years, and I love to drink repetition coffee. <laughs> Everybody in here? Um, I'm Amber Nickel. I have been on the board, I don't know, we were in Zoom. That's when I like, I think maybe two years at this point. And uh, well, very excited to have you. Val, you want to do an introduction? I'm, hi, I'm Val Renault. I've been on the board for about as long as Marilyn has. She didn't say much about herself. She's a big bicycle and she's a, I'm going to say it wrong, a rider. Oh, well, anyway, um, and like everyone else in Lawrence, I love Parks and Rec. My kids used it, I use it. So um, we welcome you and your perspective to the board. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Hi, I'm John Wozniak. I've been on the board six years. Look forward to working with you. Yes. Oh, you're on mute. 
Hi, nice to meet you, Andrea. Um, I'm new to the board. I This is my first year, so I will be a newbie with you. <laughs> so, welcome. Thank you, thank you. And John Albandian, the chair, is out today, as well as Pat Brown. He might be on a little bit later, but he was trans transporting someone. So. Great. Well, that is exciting. Good times. Okay, a presentation from Oak Hill, Oak Hill Cemetery. Hi. There's Let me uh, do some. All right. So, hello. I'm Denise Pettengill. I'm a member of the Oak Hill Cemetery Program Committee. I'm still getting used to that new name. Uh, we were formerly friends of Oak Hill. When Coyla Lockhart and I presented to you last April, that's when we were still officially friends of Oak Hill Cemetery. Uh, so now we're a standing, we've merged with Douglas County Historical Society, we're a standing committee, and the merger was skillfully facilitated by Sarah Bishop of Coneflower Consulting. She is fabulous. Okay, next slide. So we have some members of the committee here with us. I'll um, just start at the top. Steve Novak is our staff liaison with Douglas County Historical Society. Rosalie Postma-Carter is our chair of the committee. Uh, Carrie Alton-Burned came uh, with us. So the merger required that some from the board of Friends of Oak Hill came over to the new committee. Also, some people were added from Douglas County Historical Society. So uh, Carrie came from Friends of Oak Hill. Grace Aubrey is a KU student in museum studies, and she has joined us. Um, Leslie Beasley came from Friends of Oak Hill Board, Peter Carter from Friends of Oak Hill Board, myself, and then Catherine Tuttle came from the Douglas County Historical Society. So it's a great perspective. We have both groups. Um, we've benefited greatly from merging with Douglas County Historical Society, and we're bringing some new things to them also. So many of you probably already know Oak Hill Cemetery is on the National and State Historic Registry. This was designation was granted in 2017. It was the work of many people who worked hard to achieve it. It's definitely a benefit to one, our unmistakable Lawrence identity. And to prevent physical damage to the registered property is the responsibility of the owner of the cemetery, in this case, the city of Lawrence. So our purpose as a group is very similar as it was when we were friends of Oak Hill. Our purpose is to serve as an advocacy group for addressing maintenance practices, funding, historic preservation efforts, education, and community involvement at Oak Hill Cemetery. So we'll just stay on this slide for a while and I'll yammer a lot. So, okay, so here are our goals. We want to facilitate preservation of Oak Hill Cemetery. We want to update the memorandum of understanding between Parks and Recreation and Douglas County Historical Society. Now that Friends of Oak Hill is a 501c3, no longer exists, that needs to be updated. Uh, our committee creates programming about Oak Hill Cemetery, and we want to create opportunities for community involvement in Oak Hill. So for, to preserve, facilitate the preservation of Oak Hill, we have several recommendations. 
Um, we have a lot of concern about the damage that mower equipment is causing in Oak Hill. That has been an ongoing concern for a long time. One of our recommendations is to use the smaller mowing equipment. Less frequent mowing could be a possibility uh, with more care and attention. The older headstones, especially in section one, two, and three, are very, very subject to damage, being the older marble headstones. Uh, our committee is willing to develop help in developing public information campaigns. People might wonder, we know in the past, some comments have been made like, well, people don't like to see the cemetery all grown. Well, there might be some uh, education programs we can put in place that here might be the reason why you're seeing the grass a little bit taller in this area is to protect the headstones. Uh, we're also willing to organize volunteer labor to help with mowing in these sensitive areas. That's certainly something we can contribute and we're willing to do. We've had a whole lot of uh, volunteer interest since, especially since our merger with the Douglas County Historical Society. We've had very, very many volunteer questions. You know, we, I wanna help, how can I help? So, um, and in part, that's a, a big credit to Natalie Vondrack, who's the Communications and Outreach Manager at Douglas County Historical Society. She's done a great job of raising our visibility. Um, so we've been wanting to update the memorandum of understanding. Uh, we feel that this is necessary because our knowledge of Oak Hill Cemetery, our commitment to the success of the city stewardship of Oak Hill Cemetery should grant us a place at the table in the decision-making. Our committee has already demonstrated uh, that we're willing to work hard in the cemetery and contribute substantially. We've cleaned over 250 headstones and logged over 150 volunteer hours. And that's just since October, 2022. Uh, and the next is, no, not the next slide, sorry. Just the next point. <laughs> Programming. Okay, so uh, as part of the merger agreement, our committee is tasked with providing so many public programs throughout the year regarding Oak Hill. Mm -hmm. August 21st, 2023 is the 160th anniversary of the Lawrence Raid. This will be an excellent opportunity to collaborate with Parks and Recreation on tours commemorating uh, the victims of the raid. <clears throat> and in fact, a lot of the stones that were selected to supplement the first phase of uh, the conservation project were raid victims. We wanted to make sure that those stones were conserved and in good shape so they would be legible and not just in a heap on the ground. Our committee is in the process of developing other guided or self-guided tours on various themes and we'll have a future presentation with Pacific Coast Conservation about the current cemetery project. Uh, the volunteer opportunities for the community that we provide. We have monthly Sunday work opportunities out at the cemetery. Our first one this year will be March 19th, uh, weather permitting. And these work days are gonna be the Sunday before our fourth Thursday committee meeting. Uh, we'll have headstone cleaning workshops to train in the do no harm cleaning of headstones. No metal tools should be used, only approved biological removing and cleaning solutions, soft brushes, 
don't overclean. This is the biggest thing. The biological growth removers continue to work over the next few weeks after you need the headstone. Uh, we don't want the headstones to look new. This is not the goal. If you make it look new, you've probably used an inappropriate product on it. You've probably overcleaned and caused more damage to the stone. Uh, our landing page on Douglas County Historical Society website allows the community to share their stories of loved ones buried at Oak Hill Cemetery, <clears throat> increasing community involvement and keeping Oak Hill in optimal condition. Um, and I failed to include a slide about the website. So it's watkinsmuseum.org. You go to about and you go to affiliate programs and you will see our landing page. Talks about our headstone cleaning project. Uh, Natalie has posted a great blog about little Charlie, who you will see more about in just a minute. Next slide. So as I stated, our ongoing concern is the damage of the headstones in the cemetery, uh, the damage that's incurred by mowing equipment. Um, this should be job number one in the cemetery to protect those headstones above any kind of maintenance concerns or mowing concerns or keeping the grass short. So the Friends of Oak Hill, or the Oak Hill Program Committee was asked by Pacific Coast Conservation, a group that's doing the restoration out there, to flag the 53 stones that were selected for conservation. The damage to these two headstones are just two examples of the damage that was discovered just before they started their work in October of 2022. So you can see the older chip on the stone on the left. You can see the very fresh new marble chips. Um, so uh, that's in section one, little glinty or clinty, and the W Johnston, WD Johnston something. I couldn't find him in the interactive cemetery map, but I think he's in section uh, two somewhere. So next slide. <clears throat> Alice, you can see a significant portion of her stone was uh, removed, hit over the years. It's obviously not a new damage. The scratches on the base of the stone from the mowing deck or weed eating, not sure, but it's clear that it continues to sustain damage. Right? Just gone. Where did it go? It's more damage. Uh, next slide. Uh, Melinda Madden in section nine. Once again, you can see the chips on the side. From mowing too close, you can see the scratches on the surface from the mower deck. Stones are not knocked off their bases or another concern um, hit by mowing equipment. Once the stone is knocked off center from the stone base, uh, it makes it, it makes it stick out of line more. This is a McIntyre family row in section one and it makes it much more vulnerable to getting chipped and scratched. And the headstone on the right has just been knocked off of its base from impact with mower. So I talked about Billy Charlie. Go ahead and go next down. So Shannon Hodges, one of the founders of Friends of Oak Hill, walked in Oak Hill Cemetery a lot, was captured by this little stone when she found little Charlie's headstone knocked over, broken in pieces, 
She was moved to action, becoming one of the founders of Friends of Oak Hill to advocate for better care of the stones in the cemetery. This is from a find a grave site. It's the stone before it was damaged. So next slide. So from spring of 2017 to fall of 2022, Charlie's headstone remained on the ground in pieces, suffered further damage on the top of the stone uh, from mowing equipment. And this is as it was flagged and getting ready for conservation by Pacific Coast Conservation. So there it is being put back together by the conservation staff. <clears throat> and the next slide shows his headstone completed in place at the Lice family plot. Um, there were several stones in that family plot that were set back upright, repaired. Here's a, uh, you can see this was restoration would be we'd fill in that top. We'd refill in all the letters. This is conservation project. And I didn't know the difference between conservation and restoration before. Conservation is putting the health of the stone making that the priority. Restoration is making it look new again. Um, if this was a restoration project, they'd fill in that arch, they'd color in all the letters again. Um, the, the importance of it being a conservation project is that the epoxy that's used to put the pieces back together again, is water permeable. Um, it lets water, when it gets wet, flow through the stone and out to evaporate, which is the natural thing that should happen. If an epoxy is used at a break like that, uh, the water goes here and stops. It can't go down any further. So it weakens the stone above the epoxy. And if there is other blunt trauma to the stone, the stone's going to be damaged, not the epoxy. So the stone will break again. So next steps. So what will change in the maintenance practices so that future damage to the stones that have been conserved, the city has spent money conserving these stones on this project, and those that might sustain damage in the future be presented. John Smullen, the stone on the left, is broken off of its base in section two, and as a result of being down on the ground, it sustained damage. In the middle stone, that's in section three, that's a row of three foot stones, that was damaged in October. And uh, Green Madden there is in section nine, next to Melinda Madden. So I appreciate your time tonight. Are there any questions? Denise, this is Marilyn Hill, board member. Do you have a specific ask of the advisory board tonight? Yes. I would say the ask is that the advisory board recommend a significant change in mowing practices in Oak Hill Cemetery so that this damage doesn't continue to occur. Okay. Uh, Jackie Becker, can you share with us how we mow with the city then and how that works in that area? Yes. Mark Eckerson's director of Parks and Rec. So in Oak Hill specifically, the, the stone layout is, is a difficult maintenance item just because they are in straight rows and we mow with a smaller mower deck than we mow parks and we don't have shoots off the back. We shoot out the, out the back of the mower instead of the side of the mower. It's difficult, honestly, and I'm not going to pretend like it's not because there's so much maneuvering of mowing equipment. 
Um, it takes over a week to mow that cemetery. It's very difficult to get into it. Um, you know, we've done chemical edging before to try to keep people away from the markers. We drew a little bit of fire on that because we got erosion problems due to the, the chemical spraying. So, you know, I don't have a great answer. It's really a difficult situation because you have people who want the grass mowed down. If you get tall, we start getting complaints from a lot of people. We have people who don't want us to mow at all. So it's not, we don't have a win situation on this. And, and you know, going to smaller mowers would be great if we had the manpower. You know, and that becomes just a budgetary issue on how many people, how many resources can we put towards maintaining the cemetery. You know, if we go up to the national cemetery level, that's obviously a manicured lawn situation that, that they have a lot more money to maintain a, a, a park-like look. So, I, you know, I, I continue to struggle with it. I know our staff does on, you know, what we do as best we can with the money we have. So if we want to crank up our ability to maintain at a higher level, we're probably going to need to fund it differently. That's where it really gets, you know, where we go make the ask and say, look, we're here. We can do this. If we want to do it more, we're going to have to jump up to here. Is that feasible in the city budget? You know, I, I don't, I know there's damage being done. There, it has to happen. I mean, if you look at, if you just try to look at how the mower gets through that cemetery, it's it's highly, highly difficult, even on, on the carefulest mower that we could put on that. Some, you know, if you put a part-time employee out there that, you know, you, you emphasize, you tell, and you let them know, well, here's what we're looking for. We don't want to get close. But if they're moving in and around, it, it's difficult. I mean, I, I won't lie to you at all. I'd love a better solution, but I don't have one yet. Oops. <laughs> well, we, we did that, but you know, then that's a different problem. So. Yeah. We'll bring it back to questions for Denise and okay. the committee, then we'll open it up to staff okay. if that's okay. Sure. Sure. I don't want to afford their time, you know, kind sure. of their time. Are there questions from board members for me? So if we have questions following this, email is fine. Yes? Like, we can, yeah, well, yeah. Okay. And we can always go and put it on another agenda. Okay. I don't do a discuss at okay. all business at that time. Yeah. All right. Concerns of the board that not only you can bring up the settings sure. as well. Okay. So, Marilyn Hall, board member, I think it'd be good for you and the other members of your committee to understand our role and what we can and can't do. We don't oversee the budget, parks and recreation, and it seems like this is largely an operational issue that would require more money or more careful mowing. Um, and that's something that, I mean, we can say, oh, we think that would be a good idea, but we don't have any authority over that at all. So that would be um, the city commission, ultimately, would be the public body that would have the power to do that based upon recommendations from staff and the city manager. 
Did I say that? Mm -hmm. Jackie Becker, I actually have another question. So with the uh, anniversary coming up of Quantel's Ray, do you have things in place or any grants you're writing or any funding that could be coming in that way potentially? I know we're working with um, Will Haynes at the Douglas County Historical Society. He's working on programming. And I don't know about anything else. That might be good to direct towards Steve Novak, that question. Would you like to answer that, Steve? <laughs> yes, I, I would. Um, the There is currently the conservation project that, uh, that Denise mentioned being carried out by Pacific Coast Conservation. Um, that was supported in part by a grant from the Douglas County uh, uh, Heritage Conservation Council, uh, a contribution from the uh, Friends of Oak Hill, uh, which is you know, now being followed through on by the Douglas County Historical Society, and then also a city a capital improvement project. And uh, that project uh, was approved sometime back, but began in earnest in October and isn't finished yet. So there will be another round of uh, conservation work on the stone starting in, in uh, May, um, as well as the ongoing um, cleaning that members of the, the Oak Hill Committee are uh, doing themselves uh, and also prepared to train other volunteers to do. So there is some funding in place to continue to um, uh, preserve the stones, especially making sure that the uh, stones that are associated with the uh, Quantrill's Raid uh, are um, in a good condition for uh, uh, events that may be uh, uh, taking place to commemorate that occasion. Uh, in in terms of the, f uh, the future, I think before we would start new grant projects, we would want to see how far the existing uh, capital improvement project money will go, because it's already clear, thanks to the additional labor added by the, the Oak Hill Committee, uh, that money is stretching for more stones than was initially thought. So I think once uh, that project has come to a completion and uh, that funding has been run run through, we'll have a better sense of what the next best project would be. Um, and there are opportunities for that because of the historic, uh, to find grant funding because of the historic designation of the cemetery. So we're not done. The, the improvement, improvement will continue uh, throughout the spring uh, on the appearance of uh, many of the historic stones. Thanks. Amber Nicole, Vice Chair. My question is, so if there's people that you're, you're saying that your committee supports the grass being taller at times, is that if that prevents stones being damaged and hit by mowing equipment, yes. Okay. I think that's all I have now. Mark Hecker, assistant director, something I might add, which I'm not sure anyone's aware of, but we actually budgeted in this year's budget $100,000 for restoration preservation, and it's in our actual city budget. So that's not defined yet. So last year we did a, a small project with a grant match, but this year we went ahead and put it in the budget and the city commission approved it. So what that does is allow us to continue the preservation effort and or leveling. So there's, there's multiple things where there's some markers out there that are just sitting crooked, but if we 
get them straight, we, hopefully they won't fall over. And then there's the ones that have fallen or been damaged that we want to restore. So we need to hit this about six different angles. And then there's the maintenance. The maintenance cost is the hardest thing for us to get that ratcheted up to where we feel like we have enough people on with the right equipment on to, to really manage that really well. So I think all of us need to work on kind of the multifaceted approach to this. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a fairly new thought process, honestly, that, you know, the last four or five years is where we really started about, hey, this is a, a, a preservation effort, not just go out and mow our cemetery. So I, I think, you know, continuing to think about how do we want to tackle this. The $100,000 was huge because last year it was a CIP projects one-time thing. So by recognizing it in our budget, that's starting to build a continuous effort that it may be $100,000 a year we can put towards this. Mm -hmm. Now, I still don't have enough money for part-time help. So that, that's another problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I almost need to take a little bit of that 100000 put it over here so I can get people to, to maintain the cemetery. So it's just a complete balance again. But I'm willing to just keep talking about it and coming up with better ideas. So. And this is Steve Novak from the Douglas County Historical Society. If I could just add to what Mark said, um, the the CIP and the grant project has allowed us to establish a good relationship with the uh, Pacific Coast conservators. So, you know, at a future time, we would probably be able to engage them. I think that they would also help us develop some guidelines or come up with some solutions to help with some of the maintenance issues. Or, um, and uh, also, uh, I think Denise mentioned this in the um, and in her presentation, the Douglas County Historical Society can also help to provide public information. So if changes are made that affect what the cemetery looks like or how people might perceive it's being maintained, we can help people understand why that's happening. So this is a really great opportunity for an ongoing uh, relationship to, to help the city solve this multifaceted problem as Mark described it. I have one more question. Probably more than that. Um, you mentioned volunteers. Mm -hmm. So how does that work if you're saying we would be fine with it being taller and we offer volunteers that will come and maintain it? Does that have a, what's the city's stance on if they say we'll just take care of it? Is that kind of what I'm hearing that you're saying as a committee that you're willing to do the maintenance we are willing to help contribute volunteers to help supplement. I don't think we would go as far as to say we can take care of it because I think that's unrealistic. But certainly, especially in those very sensitive areas where the stones are not in a straight road, this, that, and the other. Um, we've, we've talked to many people over the years that have said, let us know what we can do to help. And I think really now we're seeing a lot more uh, interest due to Natalie's work on Douglas County Historical website. Uh, we're receiving many, many emails from people saying, how can I help? What can I do? So I, I see us as training and helping organize the volunteers, not taking it over. And then is there any examples? I'm sure this isn't the only cemetery that's hard to maintain that's old. So are there alternatives to grass or is there, you know, it, are there things that are being done that minimize? Friends of Oak Hill did contact Carrie Kinsher 
his capstone senior class of, in environmental studies did a project, a research project on suggesting ground covers that might be useful in Oak Hill Cemetery, particularly in the dry shady areas, which is of course the challenge to grow anything there. Um, and I don't know what has happened with that study. I think it went to the city horticultural department and don't know what else has happened with that. Yeah, Mark Hecker, assistant director. We've tried, uh, I'm gonna say up to 10 different ground covers out there. It's an interesting site because as, as we talked about, it's dry, so we're not irrigated and we're shaded and we're on a slope. So there's not a lot of good options horticulture wise, but we did put our whole, whole horticulture team on that and go look. Let's try some things. And specifically, I'd like to try things where the cemetery is no longer active. So in other words, there's parts of the cemetery we're still doing burials, so we're still in and out of there with backhoes and trucks. And, and then there's some, the older siphons, that, that basically what's there is what's there. So if we can go between some of those smaller markers and establish a ground cover that will only get six inches, then we won. We don't have to get in there and do grass. We also have a Bermuda grass problem over there that's very invasive. And, you know, we'll put in a, a nice ground cover and we come back and it's just Bermuda grass and you can't find the ground cover. So it's, we've talked about many times, maybe we just need to kill out all the Bermuda and try to get something established that's maintainable over the long run. That would be a very expensive project, but it might be something worth looking at if we really want to change the whole dynamic of the cemetery. But what we've been trying to do is we took section one and section 17 and said, okay, we're going to just change the management here. So let's try to, in this area only, we're not going to worry about all the other set sections. Let's try to change it to where we aren't using chemicals and we're trying to get grasses and ground covers to establish. If we can be successful there, then we can maybe take that practice and keep moving it. But every time we do that, it's more dollars. So uh, we're willing to try everything and anything, but you know, we're, we're not having great success. Mm -hmm. Irrigation would help a lot, honestly, then we can manage what we want to grow and where we want to grow. But, you know, that's frowned upon by different people. So, so it's, it's an interesting problem. Okay. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions? Or does, do you have anything? I'm sure. Actually, I'm not the expert here, but I was going to ask the question on what the volunteers, the weed eating, and there are best practices on the weed eating, the lines, and the speed. Is that something that the volunteers could do for us or with us, Mark, or not? That's one of the hardest things. That it's the most, I mean, it's the most labor intensive and also has the most potential to damage if done wrong. So I probably wouldn't put volunteers there. I like volunteers on restoration preservation because it's very targeted. But you can go in and go, okay, we're working on these five markers and we can let you do that while we're maintaining. And I don't know that volunteers are the answer for maintenance, at least that we've never had that opportunity in the parks. We always have somebody who thinks they want to do it for a while until it gets hot or then it gets cold or then it's waiting and going on vacation and then nobody mows or so. That I'm a little hesitant on, but I do like the preservation part of it, where we're going out and cleaning markers. Work. But you know, I don't, I don't know. I haven't had success with physical maintenance that needs to happen weekly. But the volunteers usually run out of steam after about a month. So, and you know, maybe there's a couple times of the years that volunteers might be useful, and that would be prior to Memorial Day and around Veterans Day, and 
to see if maybe that might be a possibility. Um, yeah, we could definitely use help pre-Memorial Day. So that's about a three-week run into Memorial Day, which everyone comes to Cemetery Memorial Day. And we have to look our best, but it also always rains the week of Memorial Day. So we can't mow and we mud the place up. And so, yeah, that would be a great time to get more volunteer help out there. But again, we want to be very cognizant. If you bring your own weed eater, we want the right type of string in it. We want to make sure you're understanding that we don't, you know, hit it on the markers. So, but. You said it takes about a week to mount the whole thing. How often is that just been a constant? Yeah. So he's always out there. Start again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's the same crew that does Memorial Park and Oak Hill. So Memorial Park is a lot easier because we have a lot more flat markers that we can just mow over the top of. And there's some benches out there. Oak Hill is very difficult to most, most crop right markers. So those take a lot of time. And quite honestly, we usually put our full-time staff in Oak Hill so because they know the system. And it's an art because you literally have to know which way to mow in every section to get the stuff mowed. But it has to be a perfect week, no rain, and we can get the cemetery done in a week. Otherwise, we're more out into 10 or 12 days. And it's just nonstop. I'd love to let some areas grow taller. That usually works for a while until someone starts complaining about it. We've tried some of those sections on the back side of the hill that we let grow taller because they're older. That's a lot of the quant girls rate markers, but but that after a while it starts to look bad because you can't even see the markers because the grass is up too tall. And so would you say that you're mowing like what's the month span then from to as far as like from March to December, or is it constantly? Yeah, well, around March, early March through roughly Halloween. We sometimes get into November, but that's usually leaf cleanup. Like this year, we got late on leaf cleanup. We had leaves everywhere into January, which we don't like that either because that gets on the markers and discolors them. So we try to get that cleaned up and out too. So. It's pretty much a year round. Okay. I again don't know what to do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Denise, if you're you're interested, probably about a month prior to Memorial Day, reach out to us and we yes. ask. You know, that would be a good pilot program to try to see what we can and can't do without. With your volunteers and Absolutely. what is possible and not possible. And Great. Appreciate the help. We'll do it. Great presentation. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I think we can meet too on what's next step on preservation because we do have budget and funds. So let's, let's spend it. Yeah. yeah, where do we want to go with That's it? That's good. So do you have Denise's contact information? So. Okay. Happy Gail Denise Gmail. Okay. I'm pretty sure I have it. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for everybody for coming. Okay. I'll be in touch soon when I talk today. So yeah, I saw it. Thanks, Jeff. All right. And then our third agenda item was an update on tournaments from Sports Pavilion, but 
going to defer the uh, sports pavilion update until April. March is the uh, uh, spring break. And we're going to combine that with Explorer Lawrence and Kim Monsbach. She's got one that's going to be busy during that time. And they've been busy doing the board retreat, working on their strategic plan, and they've got some really cool things going on. And that ties directly to promoting Sports Pavilion Lawrence and tournaments and events. So we're going to do that in April. And I just talked to her earlier. And that work. Okay. Important. So that brings us to concerned member items. Do we have any concerned board member items? Val? Uh, just, um, did we resolve the issue about golf fees? I know there was an email that was, I think, forwarded to all of us. Is that something we need to talk about here? Or is that just handled administratively as part of the fee increases? You remember what I'm, someone wrote and said that there used to be an annual pass and, and uh, now it's a lot more expensive. There's not an annual pass for some reason. Uh, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Uh, we do have staff looking into Alternatives to passes and other discounts for frequent players um, don't have an update on that. Uh, they've been working with a couple of the people that express concerns that are representing some of the golfers. <laughs> There's another individual that came uh, today with some of the similar concerns. So we are working on that. I don't know if Lindsay wants to provide any other updates, but um, we're still working with the groups and trying to see what we can do. Okay. Yeah, just sometimes when we get emails from, you know, the public, I'm not sure how, yeah, how far to, that needs to go um, with us. Um, the other question I have is, uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Porter Ar Arne? Arneil. Arneil. Um, thanks for that email, Derek. Is My question is, will he have anything to do with sponsorships since... We all seem to have agreed we needed someone there. Um, I I don't know if that's in his, this position or not. I think what Porter brings to uh, Parks and Recreation is the uh, the arts and culture expertise and his background uh, as being a director of arts and culture, not only uh, when he was hired by the city, but from Kansas City and um, his other positions, plus his bachelor's and master's in that. Um, with the comprehensive master plan, I think that's gonna be essential. We continue to work with the uh, consultant to bring and, ex and make sure that that's inclusive of the arts and culture. So that's gonna be a big piece of what he's doing in emphasis. Uh, we're bringing him in with other functions uh, with our community partners. We're working with the Lawrence Arts Center, uh, the library on uh, some other initiatives that we've been talking about. Um, so he's going to bring a depth and expertise to the department over the, you know, we're still working through the details over the next couple of weeks where he gets down here in our building, but uh, his presence is welcome. Um, Sponsorship may be an update in Lindsay's presentation. You're kind of getting ahead of me here. I was going to save the Porter update till a little later, but I uh, will be glad to answer questions now if you'd like. 
No, sorry, I didn't know didn't know you were going to include that. So sorry. No problem. I have uh, Marilyn Hall board member. I just wanted to debrief a little bit um, about what happened after our last meeting. You know, there was a lot of public comment about um, admission fees to rec centers. Sounded like you ended up recommending against that. I guess my question is, how was that received by the city manager? And is this something we're going to be confronting every year? Yeah. Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Recreation. I don't think the city manager received that in a negative way in any way. I think that was on the recommendation between the board and, and our department. You know, initially when we looked at that, uh, there was a potentially $400,000 that we were looking at. And by the time we went down, what is equitable, what is fair? Um, you know, I, some of the comments from the public that night when I'm listening to them, that is like, are we really gonna go through all this for, for this little? So we're gonna focus on marketing and selling our story and trying to expand our services, also looking at the sponsorships, which we have some meetings coming up again. So we think there's better ways to go. Now, who knows what will happen in the future, but that's not not something I'm wanting I wrote. I'm wanting to go down as department director. I, I guess I would just say, if, this, if it comes up again, it would be better, I think, for our body to know about it sooner than we did this last time because there was some short turnaround time and it was over the Christmas holidays. And I think basically that the amount of public comment that was generated was with four days notice or something. And so if this seems to be a road that the city manager wants to head down again, I'd like to back that public engagement process up so that um, it's, um, could be more thorough and um, and more inclusive than it was this last time. And, and I want to be clear, I don't think this in any way was part of the city managers. This was us working as an advisory board with us trying to close the gap. And when we looked at potentially what was there as advisory board with the department, we said, okay, let's explore this. So that wasn't the city manager. That was our department and the board and the discussion. So are you having to come up with some budget cuts to cover that or how does that work? We're coming up on the next, uh, we'll start our budget discussions here in April, CIP in March. Yeah. Actually, we're starting so, now. Okay. So yeah, that, that'd be the part going forward that those discussions be going on. Thank you. Jackie Becker, small question. Um, <clears throat> I was biking Burroughs Trail and I saw a lot of the trees are being cut down and it looks like there had been some overflow and whatnot with weather or something. Is there anything happening kind of more out past 23rd Street? That The Haskell up? Trail section. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I ran into an individual down there. It, it's what we do when we clear the, the trees back. It's the time of the year that it looked really bad when they, when they clear the trail back. But they're just clearing the, the branches back and then when the spring comes out of green up and we've got some clearance so it's not enclosing. Mm -hmm. 
I bike that all the time, so I see it and yeah. I answer questions. What are you doing here? <laughs> We're just doing normal maintenance. And Mark, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I didn't know about it. So yeah, okay. information. <laughs> so yeah, they've been oh, doing that. Burroughs and and Haskell. I haven't uh, haven't checked behind the movie theaters and heading that way, but I would assume they're doing it all around the city on the trails. I figured it was maintenance, but I was like, I better make sure just in case someone's not up there just like hacking away at some of the cheese on, on part of it. So makes yeah. sense. I, I got caught by another individual on uh, same thing. It, it doesn't look good when you first do it, but it comes back well. Yeah, it makes sense. Thank you. Okay. Uh, wait, I had a oh. quick question. Um, I think we have talked to y'all about uh, a permanent bathroom situation at Edwood Park not too long ago. And I couldn't remember if there was like some money somewhere in the budget for that, like a grant or something like that. I didn't know uh, where that was at, that process. And that's a CDBG grant is what we we're trying to do with that project. And we had it, we have it submitted that they're going through environmental studies that we haven't heard back. Mm -hmm. So we need to touch base back with that group of the city department to see if we're if it's possible or already dead in the water, quite honestly, it's been a couple of months, so we're, we're due to touch back with them and see what's going on. But, but that's where that's at. Cool. Did you say Edward Park? Edgewood. Edgewood. Oh, Edgewood. Down top of Skate Park down there. It's Park Yeah. Or just uh -huh. whatever. Whatever. <laughs> cool. All right. Any more board member concerns? Okay, and that brings us to it's other updates. Quick update, um, the lights downtown will be on through tomorrow night. It worked out really well because they're red and white, so it looked like it is. Yeah, we did that for the chief, <laughs> or Valentine's Day, either one. So those will be on through tomorrow night, and then they'll be coming down. And uh, we've been working on the perimeters of pull lights down. I don't know if you've noticed kind of things start to disappear a little bit. But we'll probably, if the weather holds next week or so, we'll probably bring it down downtown. Um, other things we're working on, a lot of it's CIP oriented. So we're trying to get this year's CIP projects moving. So we have a skate park project, we have a turf project out of YSC, we have parking lot projects, we have playground projects. All those things we're trying to get moving. So, and it's a little bit slow going, to be honest with you. And then there's some from last year that haven't finished. So we have this. Uh, splash pad over the lines that didn't get done. We have an irrigation project at the golf course that didn't get done. So all the CIP projects are are kind of dragging through. But the kind of the next cool thing is we're starting to work on the next CIP for 24th or 28th. So we'll start looking at what was already in the CIP, what new things need to come on. We talked with Pickleball. We're going to write a Pickleball project for an outdoor complex. Um, just met with the uh, Water Tower Park group. They're starting the construction, if you haven't been past Water Tower Park, for the Water Tower. So this was more of a public information on the construction project, but there was a lot of questions about what are we doing with the park. So we'll be following in here in March with the public engagement on that park, shooting for a 24, maybe 25 project. So that's going to have to be written for the CIP. So those are two new projects. The goal, the finance director would like us to just whatever was approved for 24, do that, not any, no changes in 25 and 26 and 27. But the problem is inflation has changed us so much 
that almost every project we're doing, we we don't have enough budget for it. So we'll go in and right size all those projects, and if we lose the project along the way because of inflation, that'll kind of be the game we'll play. But yeah, what I'd like to do is take a first run through the CIP, propose the new projects, and then bring that maybe back here and maybe the March meeting just for you to kind of check it out so you could kind of remember where we're at. The biggest project that's on there is renovation of the outdoor pool. So that's supposed to be designed 24, build 25, and then to 26. So that's coming up pretty quick here. Now, we don't know if we have enough money budgeted. I think we have $6 million budgeted. Is that enough? We don't know what we want to build. So we're going to have to right size that a little bit based on what we would like to do. So I, the next month or so, we need to kind of start making some decisions on what, what are we going to try to do with that? Is it just kind of fix it or is it bulldoze and start over, put something else in? So those are all interesting conversations. And the further out in the CIP, the, the little more magic fairy dust is used to come up with the budget. The 24 ones, we want to be pretty sure what dollars we have and will that actually do the project we talked about. So anyway, that's what we're doing on parks. A lot of maintenance stuff. You know, we're looking at maintaining old playgrounds, removing a few playgrounds, changing out a lot of stuff in the parks. Spring's going to be right on us really quickly once we hit in an end of February we're going. So kind of fun. Nice days are good. The 60 degrees days are yeah. it's a plus. Until tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> so, everybody will go back inside for a while. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, TGT grants, I finished up the agreements and they're in legal being reviewed and then we'll get those out to the folks that were awarded money through the TGT grant program. Uh, we had a Valentine's Day market uh, Saturday at the Carnegie. It was a smaller scale kind of craft show. Uh, it was mainly dealing with Valentine's Day. It was a, the, the vendors seemed to like the foot traffic that was there. It always can be more, you know, uh, as any kind of an event. This was kind of a, a start for the new division um, and just something unique and different. We were going to have a cocoa contest, but uh, we had like two entrants into it and that was it. So um, one of one of them actually came, I believe, and did give some samples out of their, their cocoa. So that was kind of a nice thing. Uh, but we're looking at expanding it, you know, growing it uh, for the future. Um, I sat in on the Lawrence uh, Cultural Arts Committee uh, for Abby, and we have a mural that uh, the board approved and the commission approved that will be going at the Kansas Suicide Prevention Headquarters building uh, to make it more inviting. Um, so that will be going before the city commission at uh, the next meeting on the 21st. I got that on there today. Um, and then the, we're, there's a subcommittee that's uh, reviewing the uh, sculpture submissions. They've come back with the recommendations. Now it's going to go to staff order as well as we'll probably have some comments on. They look at the load that it, you know each piece takes and looking at the location, seeing if it fits. So that will be reviewed and then in March they'll kind of come to some conclusions there. There's also the community arts grants, which is our, they're starting to review a subcommittee's reviewing those now too. So lots of different activity going there. As Mark mentioned, the community engagement water tower park that we'll be overseeing. Um, enrollment uh, for spring started 
on the 1st of February, uh, and then today started the summer camps, only summer camps, summer will start later with fall, and I'll let Lindsay talk more about enrollment numbers. But uh, we, we, we are looking at combining summer and fall again, like we have in the past, and actually producing a guide. I'm trying to get that all organized as well. And, um, but, you know, enrollment was the big thing and getting all the collateral pieces put together for it. Um, we've got that done. Um, let's see, did I cover everything? I had? Yeah. And I'll be getting the minutes done for next meeting as well as this one. It's, there was a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes. But we may condense quite a bit. <laughs> it was, it was over four hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. I was like, oh, good gosh. Anyway, it was good comments. Good, you know, I always enjoy public comment. I mean, I think that's shows you and as well as your work. And I appreciate everybody on the board sticking in there and, and being a part of that discussion. Because I think, it, you know, again, I, I'm all about supporting you as well. Um, and I just appreciate the time and effort you take to help us uh, make decisions. So, yeah, thank you. I was. I was worried I fell asleep in that meeting, but I was never once tired. It was very interesting. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll just take it back off Roger. Um, spring enrollment um, started February 1st, which was the day that our fees increased. And uh, Roger ran some reports for us, and um, it was really fun to see compared to the same first day of spring enrollment last year, we were actually up. Um, so in, in 22, we had 392 enrollments uh, on the, the first day of spring enrollment. And this year we had 541. Nice. So we had an increase in 150 enrollments and um, almost $9,000, I think, if you look at the... Uh, uh, well, and it's all deferred until it starts. So to me, things can happen between now and then. Classes could get canceled. Numbers don't hold those types of things. It was very exciting. Let me give you a little bit more insight to the numbers, because I'm a numbers geek, I guess. Uh, we're looking at, we're back to, if, if things hold, I mean, right now with the first two months and we're already into, we're doing really well in February, I'll say that. Um, but we're at 2019 numbers. So that's pre-pandemic. So we're getting back on track where we need to be. So now there, if you go back even further in history, 2014, 2015, 2014 was when we opened up SPL the last three months of the year. So we saw a little tick up there. That next year, we saw a huge increase. Then 2016, it went down. Now, to me, as a marketing person, that's probably very true to form unless there's something that's going to keep, you know, the, the buzz going for the facility. So, and we had some different things with programming change as well. But um, I, we're, 2016 is, to me, the earmark year that we need to get back to. And so that's what I might my plan is for the marketing side of things. Sorry, this is um, But anyway, we're off to a good start. So um, that was exciting. And I also want to share that we uh, we were able to hire a new rec programmer for adult sports. And his name is Bennett Johnson. And he will be starting, I believe, in a couple weeks um, on the 27th. So we're excited to um, get, get him in here and um, up and running. And as we know, adult sports are <laughs> genuine to roll. So um, it's a good time to get that filled. So um, have somebody new joining us. 
And then uh, Derek mentioned this a little bit ago, but um, we, ever since you know the last few meetings, especially we've been talking a lot about sponsorships and we've had quite a few staff members um, reach out and, and show some interest in helping us with sponsorships. And so um, we created a staff task force that um, I'm gonna head up and, and we have our first meeting tomorrow actually, um, or on Wednesday. Uh, and so we're going to start um, getting the conversation going and we're going to see who's going to help. And we have a few supervisors, a few programmers, and um, they've already shared some some really fun ideas and, and new avenues that we can pursue. Um, again, we're just going to kind of get the ball rolling, see what we can do. We're, uh, you know, Roger's going to be with us as well. We're going to analyze our current sponsorship policy. Uh, we're going to make sure we have information on the website if we need to update anything. We kind of looked at some old forms um, and get, you know, some kind of a contact form available so if people are interested. We have actually had people reach out to us already um, about some banners at the fields. Um, I know Taylor's been working hard at SPL. We've increased the opportunity for the plaques uh, over there. And so he already, I think it's in the report, but he got three new sponsors last month. Um, so again, it's, I think there are, our staff is, you know, has a, a lot of energy and, and a lot of ideas. And so we're going to use that and we're going to get, you know, get it going and, and see what we can do internally. And again, we know this is going to be a bigger project that uh, we'll continue to work on throughout the year, but um, just wanted to, to let everybody know that we have established this group. And so we're going to get it started this week. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. And that's all I have. Jack, I do have a question. Sure. Uh, with the amount of signups, did you feel or get any pushback with the, a lot of those costs going up in some of those programs? You know, I have to be honest, not too much. And and the frontline staff may have heard things that haven't reached me, but uh, we have had some, you know, a few emails here and there again, like you mentioned, uh, you know, some of the golf um, who may have copied the advisory board. Um, so a few things here and there, a few questions. Um, but overall, I felt it was very positive. And we've, you know, we've made sure that we are responding to every question, every email, um, talking individually to anybody who has concerns and, um, you know, if there's any lingering questions out there. But I feel it, overall, I think it, it went very smooth. You know, obviously, we know nobody's going to be happy when you raise fees. But in general, I think it went really well. And we did follow up with everybody that registered at the meeting for the last meeting, as well as all the emails that we got back from folks. So we did respond back to them with news of what we were Good doing going forward. So, okay. Great. Okay. Okay. Um, we're nail coming down for arts and culture is a really big deal. And I'm excited about this because there's a piece of what we're doing in unmistakable identity that, um, to some of the concerns from the Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission is, okay, so you're Parks and Rec, tell me what you know about arts and culture, um, cultural arts. So with unmistakable identity, I know the vision is to, is Lawrence the center in the Midwest for arts, diverse culture, fun, and potential downtown. So there's a high bar set on what we'd like to do and having Porter as part of the team should really help. Some of Porter's background that uh, you may not have known, he has a bachelor's and a master's in fine arts. Plus he'd been the uh, part of his career come, before coming to Lawrence, his director of education curator at a uh, Longmire uh, Sculpture Park and Museum and the director of public art and education for the Regional Arts Commission, both in St. Louis and director of public arts administration in Kansas City, Missouri. And then uh, he came to Lawrence in 2015 to be the director of arts and culture. So in his early in his career, he 
transformed. He kept his arts and culture, what he did, but he also became the communications director. And so talk about wearing multiple hats. And as we got into unmistakable identity, I did not know how much he did with uh, between the TGT, the grants, liaisons, agreements with downtown Lawrence, Inc., Explore Lawrence, Sister Cities, Watkins Museum, um, all these different organizations that are just um, really keeping keeping our capacity up. So I'm welcome having him come down here and help us uh, be more effective at how we do business. Um, the comprehensive plan will be start rolling. Uh, we've uh, been working on tweaking that to do a better job of uh, addressing, uh, making sure that it was integrated the arts piece of the Parks and Rec arts and culture and that it will be fluid as one piece and not a, not a, something as an afterthought. It should really be the ground floor to beginning the arts and culture going forward. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited with uh, what we have going there and hopefully we'll be able to talk more about that in the future. And then shifting gears a little bit, last night's celebration, go Chiefs. Um, that's one thing I really love about Lawrence. We have good natured fans. So they go downtown. Okay, there was a few in the trees, some on the stoplights, but for the most part, it's pretty mild. Yeah, I, I looked online and I saw the Eagles fans were flipping cars even before the start of the game. And <laughs> so you gotta love Lawrence fans when we go downtown. And I was listening to the police scanner and I was hearing the police start to close off streets as everybody came down to celebrate and all the fireworks. Um, Mark could probably talk more about the cleanup this morning, but they were on it early this morning with the crews blowing and the street sweepers going and um, pretty much back to normal by noonish as good as you can get it. Yeah, and the funny thing about it is with Mark Madness, we've had a lot of practice because every time KU wins the next round, we celebrate and we clean it and then we go back again. So this was actually not predicted. We didn't have any clue that was going to happen. And we saw drone footage. It's like, uh oh, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be a problem in the morning. But staff just switched in and organized it overnight. And they were cleaning at six in the morning and had it by eight. So, yeah, kudos yeah. to them. They Great. Just, yeah, thanks. Good awesome. job. The MSO and the park staff were well together doing that. Um, preparing for March Madness. I really hope we go all the way. Um, when we're on a roll, we're on a roll. <laughs> and there's night or not. Sorry, K State. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> Rock Chalk J. Oh, no, we were. I think we've learned a lot from the last uh, March Madness. And so the city's starting to plan. Um, and we, the experience we have from the past, I think things can go really cool. And we've got some good things going. So I look forward to that. Um, talking with the North Lawrence Improvement Association. And so um, they would like to come speak to the board probably later this year. Um, they are concerned about um, parking in Lions Park and pickleball, tennis courts, bathrooms at John Taylor Park. Um, so they have a lot of things and it'd be nice to get an update from them. Uh, so we'll work with that and uh, the president of that board will work with his staff to arrange a date that will work. So I'm thinking maybe Mayish or something, but uh, just wanted to give you a heads up on that. And with that, is there any questions for us that things we might have missed? 
the vertical ramp. I don't know if you want to talk about that. There were yeah. some good news. Oh, yeah, we're in loaded in the ramp uh, tomorrow. Okay. Uh, came in, uh, just in some intakes. Uh, so hopefully that'll be up soon. I mean, we were just waiting on one last piece for it, the kind of delayed in shipping. Um, and then I think, I don't know when those... I don't know when the bricks, I don't know if those are in the donor bricks and if they need to get put in soon. We fill that hole in the like foundation for them. But I think pretty much as soon as we unload it and we get a team to like uh, build it, it should be up pretty soon. Okay. Just going to the uh, one of our maintenance facilities to be dropped off and then we'll start shipping. Up there, I think there's some weather coming in, so I'm not sure. Yeah, saying I think tomorrow's supposed to be kind of rainy. Okay. That's exciting. We're looking forward yeah. to seeing that. We will have new amenity out there. So. Um, I just because I always think of things when you don't talk. <laughs> um, maybe there's always going to be these big celebrations downtown. There should be a QR code and of like, oh, did you have fun tonight? Do you want to donate to? continued parks and rec sponsoring thing. You know, I mean, I don't know how we can take donations. I don't know if it goes through DCF, if there's something that could be there, but it could be a scholarship fund or it could be help, you know, support the fact that we provide this lovely place for you to come party. Would you pay a buck to come to this party? Yeah. And clean up when it's done. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> to the cleanup fee. Yeah. I think people would, they're so happy while they're down there. <laughs> So you're you're touching on something that uh we're providing an update to the city commission February twenty-first on three of the key performance indicators. One of them a resident of Lawrence having attended an event last year. We're hoping to get some better data out of some of the ETC survey and um not as great data as I'd hope for. So the key is how do we start to harvest that data? So talking to Explore Lawrence, they had a uh, service they paid for, it's called Datafy. So it could tell, hey, it's football weekend, it tracks your cell phone, it says we got 50,000 people in the state. Well, I think some of the phone companies changed their agreements with tracking. So we fill that stadium up, now it shows 14,000 people. So now we're struggling, okay, how are we tracking who's who, who's where? And how do we track? Our questions are tied to, for example, the BIPOC community. Have you been to an event, a festival, or do you feel your culture celebrated in the community as, as your resident? So now it's, do we get those surveys out? To your point, the QR codes, somehow we need to start gathering more data to see are we meeting this goal than just an ATC survey, even though we did oversampling. How many people were we looking at? 35 people? out of a city of 100,000, out of a community of, um, you know, what's the percentage, 15%. So I think we need to find a better way of collecting data and it's QR codes or is it getting out? I think ages ago, maybe we did do more of the surveys on the street. And what'd you think about this event? I know we've got uh, Roger and his staff have been busy with St. Patty's Day Parade, March 17th, I think. and. Some other events coming up so we're just starting to get into the event season again where we're going to get really busy mm -hmm. in the community so yeah i think you a maryland hall board member you have to look at passive ways of people being counted because i don't know that everybody's going to want it i was here so you know beds filled in hotels uh food and beverage and 
bars and restaurants, you know, some of this other stuff that gives you a more global idea. And especially related to the sports pavilion, I'm interested in how often that whole hotel out there gets filled up. I noticed it got bought out or changed or something. But um, I bet that hotel most gets most of its business from the sports pavilion. And so getting some kind of a read on what kind of money is coming through there would be at least some help, I think. Yeah. Could you use like the data from the mobile parking app uh, downtown to see like, because I mean, I, know, I don't use change anymore when I pay at the meter, I just use the app. I don't know if there's a way to access that idea. I never thought of that. I don't see how many people are parking downtown because they're coming the game. And we didn't receive that too. <laughs> the interesting one, you've got two. You've got Sport Lawrence that is really interested in what are we attracting, but yeah, we've got a few of these KPIs that are interested in just our residents of Lawrence. And so that's the tough one. But yeah, we really need to be also looking at how we bring more people to Lawrence, build the hotels, and get multiple events going. I would like to think by collaborating, maybe we get the daisy chain. Let's go to Lawrence for the weekend, get a hotel, and we'll do something Friday night, Saturday day, and Sunday that may not all be the same event. They have some ways that they already track that stuff. See, the Danify was doing that, but then she's. Well, I, I mean, I'm talking about hotels and uh, like through the Explore Lawrence, don't they track bed nights sold and that sort of thing? So, yes, and that's where I really want him to give a presentation. I've been sitting on their board meetings and retreats. So from the hotelier's point of view, they can fill the weekends really well. They want to fill the Sunday through Thursdays. And so their you know, their ask of us is can you bring those events to the town that are Sunday through Thursday and that um, we could talk about the double tree is a convention center to pay you as if the union to be a convention center. And the Orient. So mm -hmm. well, that that's whole Jayhawk hospitality initiative is is my understanding is to get those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They're targeting that middle. Yeah. And so that's where we're collaborative with members of the board are also part of KU and um, with that initiative. So um, yeah. and I certainly can tell Jackie Becker, I can tell you, tell you concerts that are coming during the week when we have a thousand or two thousand or 1,500 people in the area, and that's easy tracking. I was curious also, do they ever track um, parking garages and the number of spaces available? Because I think that's an easy way to also, another passive way, if you're looking through, you know, do we track that at the park or do we track it at the parking garage and things like that? There's ways to look at that. That will certainly show surges if there's more people in town. Yeah, that's one thing we hadn't discussed. I really like those ideas. Also, yeah. counting cars. I mean, I, like, can you put strips across the main roadways and just, you know, you've got KTN, you've got 59, you've got probably three or four, maybe five main arteries that are coming into town. If you could figure out a way to count that. Okay. You see that traffic counts. Yeah, traffic counts. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else? Okay. Motion to adjourn. Looking for a motion to adjourn. 
Jackie Becker, I motion to adjourn. Thank you. Do I have a second? Second. All right. All right. When do I get a gavel? All those in favor. Anyone opposed? All right. Click. Thank you very much.